Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the Prologue Plus Stage 1 recap of the men's tour down under the women's finish yesterday. Go check out those podcasts if you missed them. But this is the first men's world tour race of the year. It started off with a prologue, five and a half Ks around Adelaide in the north of Adelaide City. It was kind of pedestrian, like have a very, very technical and like not a fast prologue by any means either. And it also started raining. The first prologue they've ever used actually in the TDU. It'd be on road bikes only. No one used aero bar extensions because there were just so many corners. And with the rain, people did have disc wheels. Let's pretend the rain didn't happen, Benji. Do you like the idea of starting <laughs> with the prologue? Because you can't judge the organizers on, well, it rains, so it had a weird result. Yeah. Um like why have they included the prologue? I don't mind there necessarily being a prologue. It's a way for the people by the side of the road and the people that are spectating the race online and so forth on TV to see riders one by one crossing the finish line and getting to know everybody a bit in a race. So I don't mind that part. It's a bit weird to use road bikes compared to what usually is being used, the uh, time trial bikes. But also that, I don't really care because it's probably because of the financial reasons that all these teams would have to get all their time trial bikes shipped over to Australia to then use them once for like five kilometers and then basically return them afterwards. So that's very expensive for just one time trial. But looking past that, without the rain, I don't mind there being a prologue. Like, what's your take? I think it's fine, especially when they've changed the parkour up. Like, I don't know, it just means different riders could win the race and opens it up a little bit. It did, and I think it still did that. Like, it means Bling needs to try and take time immediately if he's beaten by some sort of strong TT guys who won't be able to contest the sprints. Does it make it somewhat like Etoile de Bessege every year where you have that one time trial in there where we know that a Betiol can do that time trial, a Jake Stewart did that time trial well in in previous years. Like those type of riders did those time trials well in those early season races. And it kind of reminded me of that because it made the race, the entire Santos to under kind of feel like a race with a short time trial that might spice things up a little bit. But most importantly, some hilly parkours surrounding that and some sprint parkours. Does it feel similar? It does, because if you don't have the hills, then you have, you know, a TT specialist just winning by default. And and that's sort of what Benji mentioned happened. Bethiol, who I thought was EF's leader in the race, he kind of wasn't. He admitted in the interview afterwards he went early because he wanted to tell Sean Quinn and Mikel Honore how the course was playing. Everyone had put their leaders later because it's been really hot in Adelaide. And so you want to go as late as possible in the evening. He was going much earlier and it worked out that he went before the rain. He was the sort of the most serious time trial rider. And he is a good time trial rider, Betty Ol, uh, that went before the rain. And he was like, yeah, I went because I was going to tell him how the course went. He ends up winning the <laughs> prologue because the rain made people losing 20 seconds in the corners easily, even guys setting really fast times. It did dry out a little bit for the last few guys, but the, it was kind of like the um, Tour de France time trial where Lampard won. Um, like no one got close to Betiol and the weather played a big part, which he acknowledged afterwards. But also if you have a lot of strong time trial riders throughout your roster, then you're more likely to benefit from it than having one strong guy. 
you're telling me that Alberto Betiol was not supposed to be the leader. He wrote the time trial. He sets the fastest time. He goes back to Sean Quinn and Honore. He tells them she's ride really slow in every single corner because Sean Quinn is last in this time trial and Honore is third last in this time trial. Oh, that explains. That explains a lot. <laughs> because mate, otherwise, EF, he... <laughs> EF tires in the wet. The TT was well, crashed twice. <laughs> Pressures are fine, though. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think they got unlucky. I thought Sean Quinn was a nice outside chance for GC. Anyway, prologue, very, very weird results. Sheffield was the next best in wet conditions. He said that as well. So Sheffield, eight seconds behind Betiol. Uh, he, who set 6.19. Johansson, who is a sort of track guy for Intermarche, he's very aero on 10 seconds. Groves and Gaze on Alperson, sort of sprinters or you know power, mountain bike powerhouses on 11 seconds. Hugo Parsh, 6th, then Mayhofer Steimler. Jay Vine, the best of, I would say, the climbers. Yeah, best of the climbers, if we're not going to count Sheffield in that category, on 14 seconds with Matthews. And... Ethan Hayter, who was the favourite for this TT, finished in 21st on 19 seconds, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot on a 5.5k prologue, and I know that's 19 seconds to dry conditions Betiol, but still, it's 5, 7 seconds slower than other guys who were also in wet conditions. So that really made it... I was like, what are Ineos going to do? Plap also on 20 seconds. You know, that's a big gap that Sheffield has who looks in really good shape at this time of year. We'd see that in the stage upcoming. But before we get into that, I'll mention the Zwift Hub Challenge on Strava. Ride 25Ks, which I believe is 16 miles. My Fahrenheit to Celsius conversion is not as good. Ride 25Ks to unlock $50, 50 pounds or 50 euros off a Zwift Hub and also go in for a chance to win $1,500 or over a thousand pounds worth of indoor cycling tech. You can join the challenge on Strava. There's over a hundred and five thousand participants. Hopefully, all of them getting on board with the Zwift Hub extra discount, and you can join them hopefully on Zwift afterwards. That's the beauty of the Zwift Hub. It gets you on Zwift on the most affordable trainer in its class in the market, and you can also ride indoors, outdoors, or hand cycle to complete this challenge as well. So if you want to check it out, go to the link down below or Strava Challenges or Swift.com. But what did you think after that TT, Benji? You were in your last night around the dinner yep. table. What changes for you? Because you've got Plap, motivated Aussie champion, but not a sprinter. You've got Hater, their best probably sprinter here. You've got Sheffield in good shape, also not a sprinter, but sets the best time in the prologue outside of Betty How do you play it? When it comes to the tree, I'd say that on paper, Plap is the better climber for this race, while Ethan Hater is the better sprinter who can take bonus seconds left and right throughout the race and get closer by the time we hit those hills and might have the quality to get over those hills with the best riders, but it's kind of like on the edge, for example. Because like when it comes to... Uh, Course through, for example, 2.4 kilometers, 9%. That's like on the edge for me when it comes to even hatred if, if the real puncher types go on that climb. But Magnus Sheffield is kind of a question mark because last year he was really strong across versatile terrain. In Denmark, he went over hills and was really strong there as well. And then he ended up winning Brabant Sapel. You need to get over hills for that. That's not a 2.4 kilometer, 9% climb though. But 
he also seems to have lost weight a bit if I look at him compared to last year. So maybe his climbing has improved. We don't know that yet. But Magnus Sheffield, clearly, clearly the rider in the best position here. And it's quite a, a, a distance on the other riders. So it's difficult. It's difficult to now say after this prologue, okay, everything on Magnus Sheffield because Ethan Hayter could suddenly take 12 seconds in intermediate sprints in the coming three days and therefore be close once again and end up competing once again or win a stage here Buckling's or there. ahead of him. So That's very true. On what climb will hate like is Hayter going to drop bling on corkscrew? Because that's where he'd have to make the difference, right? Yeah, and he'd either have to drop him or he'd need to take more bonus seconds than Matthews along the way throughout the race, which is also kind of Very an on-the-edge scenario. So I think it's useful that Ineos does have multiple riders in that scenario because then a Plap can go all out while an Ethan Hayter tries to stay with a Matthews and they can try and create a situation like that. Or a Magnus Sheffield could play early before the corkscrew, whatever. I'm just inventing something eh? Before like a, a climb to try and create a different yeah. scenario to put pressure on Jake Lula. So... I think the factor of having multiple riders in that top 20 is still valuable. 20, well, not top 20, because Hater was not in the top 20 on paper. So when it comes to Ineos, I'd say just multiple riders. Anything more you need to say about them? I'll, I'll address it a bit more during the stage. We did want to mention Keo Bilbao, who I quite like Bilbao. He had <laughs> yeah. one of the most outrageous setups we've I've ever seen on a road bike. He had, like, even Dan... I reckon... Dan Bigham, if you're listening, or someone's like, Dan Bigham, could you? I'll be honest, is this too far even for you? What we saw with the, his inverted hoods, they were, I swear to God, horizontal. And so he was using all his forearms for support in the prologue. Um, he obviously like didn't really, he'd never ride in a race like that, a road race. Is this allowed? Because. You can't use forearms for support normally, although it's very inconsistently policed by the UCI. But is there an exception in TTs? Like, are you allowed to even are you allowed to do puppy paws in TTs? Well, in TTs on paper with a time trial bike, it's obvious that you get into a situation where you have your time trial hoods to lean into. But if you're ra- racing with a regular road bike, then I generally don't know if, there, if there's an exception for that. I can't instantly think of one that I must have read in the rules. So it's quite intriguing. It's quite uh, noticeable. And I was curious whether the UCI was going to step in in some shape or form. And it wouldn't surprise me that even if the factor that they didn't step in now, because they didn't do anything to Bilbao, Bilbao ended up having the time that he said at the finish line perfectly set. So the UCI didn't step in and do anything to him. So Maybe that means that they will adapt it in the future to make sure that this isn't allowed. Or should this be allowed? Because <laughs> yeah, on that's paper, exactly what will happen. Bilbao will get away with it. Someone else thinks yeah. it's okay. And then they'll probably like <laughs> win. And then they'll get <laughs> they'll get disqualified. Because like, what's the danger here? Because eh? like Puppy Paws was always complained about because you're, a lot of riders were a like, Amador was riding in a peloton. Yeah. The danger to others, but if you're doing a solo ride, a time trial, is that danger really there? Well, only to yourself. And, you know, that's like, well, are you policing how quickly they go into corners? Like seven yeah. guys crashed in this prologue because it was wet on a bike path slash pedestrian area. Um, nearly ended up in the, um, whatever, the Torrens River. Like, ugh, tough to police. I don't know. I actually don't know the answer whether, I presume it's allowed. 
Um, it looks funky. I like Bilbao. Best descender in the world. And yeah. Go through. He's always. Descend. Ah, it's not that technical. It really isn't. It's a Come pedaling on. descent. Give me hope. It's really not that technical. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Grace Brown just powered back to Sprat. We saw that. Anyway. On to the next stage, stage one from Tananda. This is in the Barossa Valley. Back to Tananda. They do a circuit around Mengler's Hill. Not that hard. Four and a half Ks, 3.7%. They did it five times. Uh, there is a 6.9% 500-meter section at the end. So, you know, that's that's not false flat. It does, though, crest with about 14 k's from the finish and then there's a descent and then about a 5K flat run into town. Wide roads for the most part lacking road furniture we're in you know pretty much rural australia here yet it was really really nervous i know there was ef controlling for betty and the oka leaders jersey but it seemed to me today benji a really nervous day for i know yeah. listen i like tdu but it's stage one sprint stage of tdu yeah and we noticed that in the amount of crashes that happened throughout the stage now let's first talk about the one-man legend breakaway that launched, Nals Pitel. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, he uh, was in the break. I can't say much more than that because I wasn't <laughs> awake yet when he started the breakaway. To the front it stage was win. basically. Yeah, that's true. And didn't he win a Giro stage as well in the first week at some point? I yeah. remember something like He's that. He's trying to, to complete wrong. the triple Giro Tour yeah. TDU. I'll need to do a bit better than 2022 to get that triple personally, but... I guess I, I hope for Nospiteris that he completes it. Obviously, TDU not working out because uh, he eventually got caught. But before that happened, he took, uh, well, first of all, well, he took the first spot at the intermediate sprint, the first intermediate sprint. And there was a pretty straightforward intermediate sprint. Matthews pretty much stomped Ethan Hater in that sprint. So like we said on the uh, prologue discussion, Ethan Hater would have to take time on Matthews in these intermediate sprints. And well, it's not happening because Matthews is taking time on Ethan Hater. It's only one second, but it's a second that matters. And Matthews is getting a tiny bit closer to the front of the race as well at his intermediate sprint. Crashes happened in the peloton, by the way, in the running towards his intermediate sprint. And it was the Belgian sprinters that were hurt the most. Like, what does Australia have against Belgians? I want to ask that question because Jordi Meus, the legend of the Schwalb Classic, he didn't win, but I'm still calling him a legend because he came from far and ended up second or something in that race if i recall correctly <laughs> second so, in a non-uci criterion <laughs> legend <laughs> nah, he's actually good he's, a, he's a good i actually generally think that 2023 could be a year where he launches forward and does better um then again, he would have won welter sprints but he got really? injured he would have won ah, he would have gone to the welter yeah Got injured. Possible, but then again bennett won too so i don't think they're complaining in that yeah. team <laughs> Sad story, but the man hit the floor and he had a ripped up jersey already at that point. Patrick Bevan, also one of the crash riders. I swear the dude crashed also in, in the Schwalbe Classic pretty hard, actually. Did he crash today? He, he did crash very hard in the Schwalbe Classic. I know he abandoned today. He yeah. had a banged up ankle. He His bike was like in bad shape in the Schwalbe Classic and he was probably DSM's GC guy for this race because he can sprint, he can climb pretty well his prologue would have been okay you know he beat hater and dennis and co in a sprint at romandy last year i think um Meyerhofer is the new leader as in okay his sprint is okay his prologue was okay and i vaguely remember that he had an okay well 
an okay climbing. I'm saying was he in relatively survivable. Exactly. That's yeah, the that's one race I remember right? the guy from. That's the guy, yeah. <laughs> the German from the Remco U23 that or Remco Junior World Champs. <laughs> was that U23 or Junior? I think it's junior. Juniors. I think it's Juniors. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Juniors. Um, yeah, the age didn't make sense otherwise. But hey, that's a scenario going into uh, this next crash. <laughs> okay, we're going over crashes here. That's actually really so fucked for like what the first... I mean, like... It just seems really nervous, and and um, Baha said it afterward. It just seemed really nervous. And his teammate is one of the riders that crashed. Hermann Pensteiner, the king of trying to get into the last uh, breakaways in the Vuelta and slipping in the top ten. Hermann Pensteiner crashed to get away. Shoot Bucks and Finn Fisher Black, two riders from UAE. Still a quick steps. James Knox as well on the floor. So a bit of a bummer because I was hoping that. We see a resurrection this year from the man because he was not there in 2022, basically. And some guy from UniSA Australia, so the Australian national team in the race as well. Um, Yeah, that was also a crash. And those riders, I think most of those actually got back up and straight up kept riding. Intermediate Sprint 2 comes up. And that was a less less straightforward one, yeah, because like... Corbin Strong was the was the fastest, the strongest in the intermediate. You see what I did there? I feel very intelligent. And Patez has been caught at this point. Brake's been real back. EF yeah. been pacing. So Patez has been caught. What happened yeah. with Matthews? Um he he was just behind a little bit. He didn't get a full lead out. He was just doing it sort of TDF green jersey style, just following and not he didn't seem to be going all out. Um he's obviously thinking of the final sprint. Ineos, yeah, using Hater to go for the intermediate sprints, which suggests to me that, well, he has to be going for the final sprints and he has to be their GC guy because Matthews is five seconds before the stage ahead of him on GC and now Matthews is is taking seconds and all that's really happening is Matthews is being brought closer to Sheffield and now, and Hayter's sort of not really catching up to Matthews either. And so Hayter, yeah, strong wins easily and Hayter kind of, bike throws like 15 meters early and then stops and matthews comes around takes an extra second so four seconds already for matthews um which he was happy about so yeah he's inching closer already to sheffield i think he even over overcame him in gc by the end by the end of the stage now a question of course that i have is we see luke plab going for the kwm points in this race attacking multiple times to go for these kwm points i was kind of surprised by that because I yeah, didn't expect him to care because, like, I expect <laughs> him to be like a GC rider in this race to get a wit and yeah. Ethan Hatred to get a wit, a Magnus yeah. Sheffield at the moment for that team. And then he's going for K1 points where I'm like, like, I love, I love the fuck out of Luke Blapp as a rider, but the man he's outgrew K1 points. It's like, it's like Simmons going for K1 points at Tirreno. Yeah, I agree. A good comparison. Yeah, it's kind of like, I, I thought he'd be going for GC because that's in his shape. And I thought, like we said at the start of this, I thought at least, okay, maybe maybe Ineos think Sheffield can't contest the intermediate sprints, so Hayter has to do it to try and take bonus away from Matthews, and he gets closer to Betty on GC. Okay, understood. Yep. Um, Plap, I thought, could be used if he's kept close to go for like a long-range attack to make Jayco chase, his big engine, so, you know, good at national champs, and Sheffield's there as well who can counter. He's similar to Plap. And yeah, I was surprised. Maybe Benji... Maybe they told him after the prologue, it's all in on Hayter for GC. So I, I don't know. 
I don't know, but yeah, I was I was surprised to see that. Kovi beat him for that. I think he's wearing two shoes that are the same color. Whether that makes him even better this season, I don't know. Um, perhaps anything's possible. Anyway, more crashes. Robert Hessink goes down. He has to abandon the race. Goes down really hard. He uh, Baudin from Ajazer. I don't know. He got pushed out and then bumped him down. Hessink hit his head pretty hard from what I could see. Uh, the other guy, Yumbo guys went down but seemed to survive okay. And just a nervous run in if we go through to the finale now with Betty Ole, lately, I think Betty Ole is like not in, not in top shape um, because Betty Ole is actually really fast when he tries. Like he came second in a Tour de Suisse sprint yeah. last year, um, not top 10 here. And it was a weird run in because quick step took it up Benji, say the last three Ks. Yeah. And I was like, but who for? Like, was it for Stan <laughs> exactly. Well, apparently not. It didn't look like it was for Stan Van Tricht when I was looking at the, uh, the actual race, but I felt like it was more more than one team that was taking control from 3K to go, and it really was quick step that pierced through towards the end because Cataneo started hammering it. We had we had uh, Bahrain on one side of the road. We had quick step on the other side of the road. We had Alpsen trying to push through, and before quick step really punched it at the front, I feel like Alpsen tried to move up with Rob Stannard with Groves and another teammate in the wheel, or even only Groves in the wheel of Rob Stannard. And I feel like they just disappeared and I didn't see Groves at all because the guy was really close on the initial prologue. Like that top five in the prologue told me like, okay, Groves is looking good. I'm looking forward to see him sprint here. But the lead up towards the sprint was really bad for Alpeson. And I'd say that with 2K to go, Alpeson disappeared. 1.5K to go, I didn't see them at all. And that's when Quickstep pierced through at the front then really started smashing it with Cataneo with Yannick Steimler in the wheel, which seemed to be their, uh, their option here. Yep. Yeah, because no, that makes sense. Scheimler was also really close in that initial prologue on like eighth, yeah. so he's not that far in GC. He's got a, a relative sprint, like we're saying a relative sprint because let's be honest about fifth. it. Yeah. Abrasturi <laughs> can beat him sprint, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, a, is, is our sprint. new rating system. Can Abrasturi beat you or not? <laughs> <laughs> but um, quick step pierce through, line it up, and I felt like other teams were pushed to the back a bit, but Ewan was one of the riders that was hurt most from that because Ewan was trying to benefit from the Jayco Alula train and he lost the wheel there a few times, tried to get to the wheel back again, and it was really troublesome when it comes to positioning. And all those solo riders had trouble, but I felt like there was one team or two teams that had more than one rider, which was the Bauhaus team that still had more than one rider, but they were kind of thrown around like one rider here, then three positions later, Bauhaus was sitting there. So not really the perfect train. And I feel like Jacob was looking the best ride with like three riders in a row with Matthews and last. Yeah. I mean, Bauhaus, he did have Gradak doing work earlier, but it really was Nicky Asant as the last guy for him. Jaco actually could take control uh, with Hepburn and I think Harper was supposed to be there, but he was caught up in a crash. It was Campbell Stewart last. So, you do have Jayco basically take front position. At the same time, Mayus has been brought up, I assume, by Shane Archbold. Uh, might have been somebody else. And Mayus is leaning on an Israel EF rider. It looked like he touched wheels and went down. He was just leaning on a rider. Yeah. And then they move their body weight over and they start leaning on another rider to their left. And without that balance, he just goes down. And Mayus yeah. crashes I think Sheffield's caught up in the crash. We'll circle back to that. But that takes out, I think, Alperson, if I had to guess, because they have no one in the top no. 20. Um, but, but No, but they still 
like fucked up the lead out. Fucked. Alps and, yeah, like <laughs> we're talking late in the sprint here and 12 wheels deep. Um, you, Matthews is – this is the difference between Matthews and, and Hayter at the moment as well. Matthews didn't have everything go right in this sprint. It looked like he almost dropped his chain. He lost positions. And then all of a sudden with 1K to go, he's fifth wheel. Um, yep. And, yes, Bling doesn't have the Gronewegen sprint. He's like not – he's obviously very fast, but he's not as fast as Ewan and Co. But for bonus seconds, following wheels, drafting, being consistent in these sprints, that's what he's really good at for GC in this race relevantly. Ewan's there and then slip back. Bauhaus is on Bling's wheel and Bauhaus just jumps Bling, who'd been waiting for, I think it was, uh, Campbell Stewart was leading him out. Stewart doesn't open up the gap to the barrier. He makes He's sort of sitting, does not have space to the barrier, but doesn't pull either side. Merku, what? What Campbell Stewart, what Mercury would have done in Campbell Stewart's position is always to pull over to the open side, yeah, and that forces a Bauhaus who's jumping to lose momentum and uh, go a bit further to the right, which you can call dirty, but you can also call experience. It's effective by the <laughs> way you look at it, and then Matthews can go in a straight line to the barrier, and he's shutting off a, a side. Um, he didn't do that. Bauhaus jumps in early, long sprint, and Bauhaus is probably as fast, if not a bit faster, than Matthews. And but not as fast as Ewan, but he's able to hold it to the line with Bling getting into his draft, coming back out of it to the barriers. Credit to Bauhaus, by the way, and he did sprint straight for a guy. Sometimes he hasn't. He he left that gap. He didn't close that gap to the barriers to Bling. Uh, and Ewan flashes super late to coming second. But we've seen that a lot. Remember Saudi two last year, Benji? I swear there's a yep. Saudi two a sprint where Ewan just came. But you you can only say it so many times, like. This, that's just what happens all the time. Like, of course, if he gets a clean, clean drop off at 150, he wins, but yeah. he didn't. So he, he didn't win. Uh, so great win for Bauhaus. Um, Bling, solid as always, third, takes four bonus seconds. And this is just, this is what Phil Bauhaus does. Yep. Messy sprints, whenever Phil Bauhaus is there, like that Tirreno sprint, for example, was it last year or a few years ago? He was there and he yeah, delivers year, in that messy sprint. So, it's like whenever there's a messy sprint, Bauhaus is winning those sprints most likely. So that's once again the scenario here. I feel like Ewan does show that he has a speed once again. But again, like you said, it it's 12th to 11th position from 200 meters to go. It's very difficult to win the race then. And the question is like, how did he get into that bad position? He doesn't have the best lead out here. I think Drizners is here still for him as a as a teammate. But I swear that I swear that he was doing most of it alone. He was using that Jake Olula terrain to his advantage whenever he could, but then lost the wheel towards the final and then had to sprint from the wheel of Kokar even, who had a bad sprint, like 12th, but you went from that wheel and then started sprinting towards the front. So with a better lead out, with a, a more straightforward sprint, if he gets into a good position, he destroys this field easily. But that's usually not the case with Caleb Ewan. And that's once again not the case here. I will say with a sprint that he has today, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a, a stage of this two down under. Because his sprint is there, he just needs to get the positioning right, but that depends on how the race goes for the rest of the teams as well. Eh? Because there's, I'd say, Jaco is really the get team. It right? Yeah, or or Jaco gets it properly right and he's near the yeah. wheel, or Bauhaus's team gets it really right and he's near the wheel. Like, if that works out, if he gets that right position, then he can really make this happen. But I'm kind of surprised by like the the other riders in the in the sprint, like Alessandro Kovi. I didn't know he had such a decent sprint. Like, sure, it was from the wheels of other riders. It was not a pure sprint that he went uh, from head-on 
200 meters to go and started launching there. He was coming from wheels, but Kovi had a goddamn good sprint here and Polpen away. Young surf from Groupama FDG. They've got a bit of a difficult life where they either have to go for like a Piffy, who is pretty fast, but kind of like a versatile sprinter, I would say, than a pure sprinter. And then Penwe is really the, the purer sprinter in that team who has done decent results, I think, last year in Coupe de France races, if my memory serves me right. Well, I don't see them, those results, but I'm going to pretend that they exist just for the sake of my argument. Otherwise, it's really sad now. So, no, no, he's a good sprinter. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> he's good. Yeah. Okay. And we see that a Herman Tyson who fell on his face twice in this race. Was it twice or did he crash once? Once only. Mays was twice. Once, Mays Herman twice. Herman Tyson still 10th. So, I don't know what would happen if he doesn't have that crash. His lead-out wasn't outrageous either in this race, necessarily. He was kept to the front while Cataneo was doing that lead-out for Steimler. Steimler, who finished 14th, so that Cataneo lead-out, very valuable in this race. I don't know. In the end, Phil Bauhaus wins. Caleb Ewan second from a, a pretty far distance. Matthews getting that third spot. And that's how it goes when it comes to the stage. But GC-wise is where it gets interesting, right? Because Matthews jumps across like eight people, right? Matthews is already into second based on how today went. And Sheffield, obviously, he went, well, not obviously, Sheffield went down in the crash, uh, who was second on GC and also leader of the Zwift Young Riders competition. Betiol, I think, was caught up. Not He didn't crash. He was caught behind the crash. So obviously, he was also given the same time. But yes, Matthews moves from 10th to second, now on six seconds. That could be gone tomorrow because Betiol... Like, as I said, I, I don't think he's in his Olympics shape, uh, nor should he be, frankly. Like, this guy is going to be trying to win Tour of Flanders. Um, Sheffield moves into third. He's still on eight seconds. And so everyone sort of moves down a few spots. Strong moves up four spots. He's on 13 seconds now, seven seconds behind Matthews. Unless Bediol, like, let's be real, Matthews will take more in bonus seconds before Corkscrew. I yeah. don't think. Ediol can just ride away from Matthews on corkscrew um, on the weekend. I, I we really saw it don't on, see it. We saw it on Mond, the right? The battle versus between oh, Betiol yeah, and Matthews. That was on Mond. <laughs> I will say <laughs> Betiol has had decent punchy races in the past. And it's kind yeah. of a rider where the you, you have a god like Betiol. You either have a god like Betiol, like in Mikuni Paz Betiol. Like, That's what I mean. Was... Olympics, he was unreal. <laughs> Like he was getting the record on the climb before the race even started, but he didn't actually be able to follow like the Pogacars of the world that day. Then again, I don't expect him to be in that form here. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Betiol just has a better year overall, though. But then again, we can't base it off the that of the preseason because he also like won the prologue two years ago of Betsege, right? So I think he won yeah. that race even Betsege. So I don't know. In the end, Matthews on paper has the upper hand when it comes to being able to take bonus seconds and even when it comes to some versatile sprints that are upcoming. But you never know with Betiol. If he has that one day like that, I don't know if Lauderdale day in 2017? 19? I don't know. Maybe not. No clue. One of the years that existed in the past. Yeah, exactly. If he had that day, then maybe he destroys everybody on the climb. But there's plenty of people that might be competing for that stage like a Jay Vine perhaps that are still on 14 seconds in GC as well. Yeah. Can a Jay Vine still compete and drop these people by can Jay Vine drop Matthews by by eight seconds on course crew? Is the descent it's shorter than the women's, right? The descent and the, yeah. the flat section afterwards? 
but like Yates should be working for Matt. Like Simon Yates is here, by the way. Um, like <laughs> Jaco should have Harper if he's okay. Yates working. I, I feel like Matthews is now virtually the de facto leader of the race. Um, no disrespect to Betty Ol, but like the whole parkour is so stacked against him. Yeah. Like the intermediate sprint, for, for example, let's look at tomorrow from Brighton in the south beach suburb of Adelaide going really far south down to Victor Harbour. They usually have a stage finishing there. Um, there's the intermediate sprint at Oldinger Beach. Like Jayco, it's – let me have a look. It's 32 k's in. Jayco should probably control so that there's not a break of three riders. EF should hope that a break goes with three riders to gobble up those bonus seconds. There's then a climb. It's 1K, 8.7%, the steep part on Heatherdale Hill, but it's longer than that. Then there's a step descent. There's another intermediate sprint, 70Ks in at Yankalila after that descent. And then they do the Parawa Hill, 3K, 7%. It's a much harder parkour than the one we had today. And then a sort of rolling downhill to Victor Harbour. Then they go up Nettle Hill. This is 22Ks from the finish. It's Cat 1, even though it's a little bit lower than Parawa Hill. It's 2Ks, 8%. Descent, then Green Hills Road, 3Ks, 3%. Just a nasty uphill drag to dead in the legs, 10Ks from the finish. Uh, Bling said today in the in the finish he was happy with the stage as Jayco should be even though he didn't win like took a lot of bonuses but he was hoping the stage today had been a bit harder um, for obviously with opponents like Bauhaus and Ewan tomorrow you know if I was them I and he's in good shape if I was them I would put Yates and Harper to really push Nettle Hill and it, it might not fully keep people behind. But um, it's certainly like Ewan and Bauhaus do not want Nettle Hill paced full gas. Yeah, I uh, I agree. It's also like it is twenty kilometers to go, twenty two kilometers to go, but it's it's two kilometers seven point eight percent. It's like it's actually like almost close to the corkscrew gradients. I would say it's pretty but hard. Exactly. Uh, the pure sprinter should have issues here if other teams like uh, a Jaco really pushes on this climb, and if you're Ineos, don't you try and force to make this as hard as possible to make it as easy as possible 100%. for Ethan Hater positioning-wise towards the end? Because, like, he's it's not also good not big flat afterwards, eh? Yeah, true. So you try and reduce it, and if you're if you're, if you're you're Jacob, then you're like, well, might as well be okay with that. Uh, a UniSA, Caleb Ewan, that's a team where I'm like, well, do they ride in support in the Australian team? Yeah, yeah, Does yeah, that yeah. Australian team? Okay, okay. Yeah. that makes yeah, it well. Yeah. The support is not that gigantic either because like three of their riders were in the last like five riders of stage stage well, one. Well, three of the guys but, are track guys. So like I assume they're not going to be able to get over Nettle Hill and then just power him back if he gets dropped. Why is James Wheeling not here in, like, instead of like one of those like track riders? Oh, I'll give a couple of names. Like there's um, Reese Robotham who won Tour of Tasmania. There's Elliot Schultz who's young um, yeah. who won... No, who sorry, didn't win, but he came to the national champion. Tristan Saunders. No, I'm washed as fuck. I'm talking young guys. Um, <laughs> guys who haven't, I would like to see guys who are not on the track program, are not Lotto Destiny point farming, because Caleb's points count to the team, um, and who haven't had a chance at World Tour level yet. I think personally that's what the 
team spot should go to because the track guys, they get contracts generally pretty easily in World Tour. Not easily, but if they're good enough, they'll get picked up Wellsford, Plap, Kale, you know, that's fine. They're good enough to be in World yeah. Tour. I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyway, what do Ineos do tomorrow? I would send Plap over the top of Nettle Hill and force Jayco to do something, uh, see if they can. This is one of the stages where I think no time like the present to use those numbers. If Chef is okay, maybe he can go too uh, because, yes, yeah, Sergeant Chef. Um, <laughs> nah, Chef, he's a beast, Sheffield. He is going to win the Tour de France, that kid. He's so good. Um, some this year. Not this year, 2025, <laughs> Sheffield. Not Pitcock? Um, it's, it's done, the Pitcock dream? It's Sheffield Pitcock now? wins... Peacock wins this year and then Sheffield 25. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, and then Ayuso 24. But I've you said Enric Mars would win this year. Like, it's getting difficult now, eh? Having Fuck. multiple riders win the same tour in the same year? Yeah. Maybe Tour de, tour de Swiss, I meant. Um, <laughs> not Tour de France. <laughs> anyway, it's really interesting to see what Ineos do. Um, to me, it looks like. A lot of different moving parts, not necessarily in concert with each other uh, right now. Maybe Plap just goes for the KOM tomorrow as well. Uh, but I think they do need to reduce it. Uh, like, yeah, they need to reduce it. Anyway, that's our TDU recap. We will have a Cav Astana separate reaction dropping later today. We need to collect our thoughts. We wanted to do an emergency, but I was just asleep. So I don't know. The klaxon, the emergency siren klaxon alarm doesn't reach my bedroom in Australia. So we apologize, but we will have a nice little recap of that uh, dropping later, probably evening time, Europe uh midday north america but thanks as always thanks to zwift should be a reduced bunch sprint tomorrow unless any of us have something up their sleeve we'll see you with a recap of that then ciao